0: Hi, this is listener Karen from Springfield, Illinois, and you're listening to Better Place Project with Steve Norris. Make the world a better place. Make the world a better place. Make the world a better place. Hey, hey.
1: Hey, hey. I'm A.A. Ron.
0: And I'm Satif. And
1: hey, Satev.
0: Hey, Aaron. What's going on? I am actually in Illinois. It's been a few days since we actually recorded this episode, and I'm an Illinois visiting family. Aaron, you're not here. She's still in California, but your grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles and cousins all say hello to their favorite cousin Aaron.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm jealous you're there. You're always just moving around from place to place. I know. I I like to be in one place all the time.
0: Yeah, you're you're a homebody and I am a road warrior. In fact, from here, I don't even know. I just I literally booked a one way ticket here. So may stay here a week, two weeks, and then I'm not sure. I may go to Costa Rica or Bali. I want to go to uh, Thailand, to Bangkok, and things are still kind of weird. They have a 14-day quarantine still when you fly in there. Although you can now, as of July 1st, fly into Phuket without you have to stay in Phuket and quarantine there. But you can go to the beach. You can go see sites. You just can't leave that region. So you never know our next uh, our next podcast recording. I could be from uh, from Thailand. So, but you're right. <laughs> I, even I don't know where I'm going to be next.
1: Yeah, that would drive me crazy. I need a plan.
0: Really? You don't like spontaneity?
1: <laughs> I like to be spontaneous, but I like to plan when I'm going to be spontaneous. <laughs>
0: That that makes no sense. You like to that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You like to plan when you are going to be spontaneous. That completely takes all spontaneity out of what you are doing. Oh my gosh. I had a I rule. I like to
1: be spontaneous, but I have to be in the mood for that and for the most part yeah, I need to stick to a plan and a routine.
0: Oh my gosh. That's You're how I roll. Just like your mother. I remember like when I was in Europe, I spent 5 months in Europe as you know, back in 2016 and you and your brothers came over for about I don't know 3 or 4 weeks, but I had a rule when I was over there that I would never I would never plan more than 1 week in advance with like one or two exceptions. I knew I was going to be in Tuscany for a month and I knew I was going to be in London for a month, but beyond that I never planned more than a week in advance and it kept so much flexibility and options Open. I would arrive in a city, and if I liked it, I'd stay a few more days. If I liked it, I'd stay another few more days, and then maybe two days in advance on a Thursday, I'd say, "Yeah, I think by Saturday I'll be ready to go." Let's hop on a train and let's go to hmm, let's go to Prague, or let's go to Vienna, or let's go to Berlin, or what have you. So it's the best way, I think, to 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 travel. Don't get me wrong; sometimes I like plans, but uh, but there's something about not feeling like, oh my gosh, I have to cram everything I need to do while I'm in this city because I have to be somewhere else next week. And that takes you out of the moment. If you are just allowing yourself to be present, not feeling like you have any schedule you have to adhere to, I think it's a much freeing, much more freeing way to travel. I highly recommend you try it one time, Aaron Elizabeth, or A-Ron Elizabeth.
1: <laughs> but you also get... I've noticed you get pretty stressed out over small things when what? the when who, me <laughs> yes you what
0: do I get stressed out about
1: you just like experience so much stress when things aren't I don't know like when things don't go the way you want it to or you expect to make this train on time and whatnot but there, it doesn't work out the way you planned it
0: there you are uh, dead on right I will admit I'm not the most patient person and for someone who Absolutely thrives on travel and going to new places, experiencing new cultures, all of that, experiencing new cuisine, going to, you know, visiting old ruins, scuba diving, all that. As much as I love travel, the actual act of transportation, I need a lot of work on being able to enjoy that part of the journey because you're right you know, missing a train because it wasn't properly posted or because I screwed up. It's usually, of course, my fault. Uh, yes, I tend to stress out on the actual day that I am traveling, but I'm going to work on that. That's my resolution for 2021 post-pandemic in my new Zen state. Thanks to all of our guests teaching us incredible things, i uh, that's my goal, is to be able to travel and never allow myself to get to those high cortisone levels just because because I missed a silly train, so.
1: But hear me out, if you planned a little bit more, then maybe you <laughs> could avoid those little hiccups when you travel and whatnot.
0: Well, on my behalf, even if I have a plan for this coming October, three months away, even if I have a plan that I'm gonna take a train from San Franci- or LA to San Francisco, if I arrive that day and the train is canceled, I, that still doesn't eliminate my stress even if I planned it months in advance. So you know what I'm saying? So so I think the stress can come even when you plan ahead. but no
1: doubt, but I think planning ahead a little bit can help you in the long run.
0: All right, well, I'll try <laughs> to keep an open mind and allow a little bit of extra planning. But speaking of our guests, teaching us so amazing things i could not be more excited about our guest today aaron tell us who we've got
1: Christian De La Huerta is an award-winning author, respected spiritual teacher, sought-after retreat facilitator, and founder of Soulful Power, offering transformational retreats and workshops, awakening participants to their deeper sense of purpose, and empowering radical internal and external shifts. He is the author of the book titled Awakening the Soul of Power, How to Live Heroically and Set Yourself Free. He also has a TED Talk called The Power of Breath.
0: We talked about so many different things in this conversation with Christian. We started with his TED Talk, which if you all haven't heard it, go check it out. It's only, I think, about 12 minutes long, called The Power of Breath by Christian De La Huerta, like Aaron just said. But so many other topics we flew through from his book about masculinity and how it has completely screwed up the world. Relationships, vulnerability, revenge, victimhood, forgiveness, and... Wow. And those two things, as I talk about here, just, I think this book that he's written just so made an impact on what things that I'm going through in my personal life right now, that it just really, really opened my eyes. And I just can't thank Christian enough for for writing this book. And it's just been such a cool, as we talk about in this podcast journey, of how A earlier guest of ours from a couple months ago opened me up towards something I've been trying to work on, and I feel like Christian has really helped close the loop on that. It's just an amazing conversation.
1: Yeah. I was really inspired after this as well. Something that we talked about and kind of some of his themes that he's talked about in his TED Talk as well as his book was that quote from Marianne Williamson, which Yes. In it, she says, your playing small doesn't serve the world. And I can relate to that so much. And it really made me think about all the times that I have played small, I guess, or I have held back in life, or I haven't taken those risks.
0: Totally. I think so many times in our life, we've all done it where we question ourselves who am I to start my own company, or who am I to open a wine bar, or to go back to school? And the real question is who am I not to do those things? Why not me? I can write a book, I can go become a speaker, I can go do this or that. So love, love it. So let's get right to it, our conversation with Christian De La Huerta. Welcome to the
2: show, Christian. Welcome. I'm so happy to be on the show, Steve and Aaron. Uh, appreciate the
0: opportunity. Thank you. Ah, we are so happy to have you here. Aaron and I have both watched your TED Talk, and as I've mentioned to you before, I've been reading your book, and we have so many things to talk about it. It's a a game changer, and I really mean that, and I can't wait to dive in and talk about that. So let's get right into it. You write that you are an unlikely person to be talking about heroism. And I know that you grew up in Cuba until yeah. about 10, I believe, and then you moved to the United States. Can you start us off with a little bit about your own journey?
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, i say that I that I am unlikely to be writing about heroism and personal empowerment because growing up in a communist regime... To speak about personal power is kind of incongruous. It doesn't make any sense because the state pretty much yeah. owns you and everything about you and tells you what to do. You don't have that option, um, exactly. So many things we take for granted um, you know, in, in democratic or at least pseudo-democratic <laughs> yeah, exactly. co- countries. Um, and then on top of that, uh, my family was really, really Catholic. So with all due respect to, to, to the religion, it's also very hierarchical you know very power over and also tells you what to believe and what's right and what's wrong um
0: and I grew up so catholic am, by the way and and but too. yes I I did I am no longer you know a, a practicing catholic but yes I uh, am right there with you on everything you just said yeah the hierarchy and the telling you what to do and and the guilt you didn't mention guilt but I I the guilt yeah. and the treatment of women sure um, absolutely
2: yeah and yeah, these days, um, I mean, I honor them all. I honor all different traditions. I challenge them all uh, to their highest potential. And um, I'm more in the spiritual, not religious category these days. Yep. Um, so anyway, when I, when my family came to the States, when we immigrated, um, I didn't speak a word of English. And one of the benefits of having grown up in a, in a communist country was that we had a TV, but there was nothing worth watching so as a result you know we grew up very creatively play, playing outside and inventing our games and adventures and pastimes and uh, reading books you know so that's why i started reading about heroism and greek mythology and, and um tarzan was one of my earliest heroes oh, yeah. um and uh but because of that i was a really good student i was very shy i was introverted um, and when we came over to the states not speaking a word of english that even got more intensified and I had a pretty, pretty good GPA. I had all A's in high school except for one B and looking back on it, of course, I didn't set out to do this, but looking back on it, I know that I subconsciously sabotaged my GPA. I read so that, that I wouldn't. Wouldn't be the valedictorian, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> I know. Like what? Like I find that kind of sad these days. <laughs> uh, and it's kind of a good message because it, it's a testament to the teachings that I write about um, and that I share in the book. That you know, bottom line is that whatever we have allowed to hold us back, whether any fear or obstacles or any past traumas or anything that we have experienced, that all that stuff can be healed. And, and can be overcome. And, and these days, you know, as you know, I speak all over the world, I've spoken on the TEDx stage of countless universities. Um, and, and so that I know, like, you know, fear can be transcended.
0: Speaking of which, before we dive into your book, which, as I mentioned, is incredible. Can we start, though, with your TED talk that you just mentioned, The Power of Breath, where you talk about just that, how breathing can change your life?
2: Yeah, you know, there's so much to say about the breath. Um, the breath is our most loyal, our most faithful companion on this journey of embodiment. Um, and if we look at most spiritual traditions in the world, and, and even several secular languages, the same word, one word can mean spirit or breath. Um, and, and again, so many references in, in different sacred texts that, that speak about god or the sacred breathing life into into us and so so that's why i title that TEDx talk the power of the breath um i come out of the psychotherapy tradition my dad was a psychiatrist my degrees in psychology i was on a track to get a phd in psychology and 30 years ago when i discovered breathwork for the first time after like one session after my very very first session I knew. I knew that I wouldn't be the same, I, that I would never be the same. And I knew wow. that I had to do it again. I knew that I had to make it available to others. And and I jumped tracks. I never went for the PhD because it it heals so profoundly at so many levels. Um, I don't know anything more effective in terms of healing past trauma and serious stuff. Like I've, I've worked with people, many, many people who've experienced sexual abuse and uh other kinds of abuse and people who've survived serious traumatic violent stuff. And I know that it sounds too good to be true that just from breathing, all that stuff can get healed. But you know, I can't argue with the results. Mm -hmm. It works. It works.
0: Yeah, two takeaways from that that Aaron and I got after watching it. And I'll take the first one, Aaron, and you take the second one. Uh, <laughs> that number one, what I thought was really cool is just something as simple as that you say that breath is a reminder to be present. And it's such a, a simple thought. But over the last couple of weeks since I first watched that, countless times, Christian, I've, I've done that throughout my day. And just hey, let's stop I'm standing in line in a grocery store. Let's breathe. Let's, and all of a sudden I'm like magnified into the present. I'm just there, and just everything around me becomes clear. I'm aware of the song playing in the grocery store. I'm aware of you know uh, the hat that the guy has on in front of me, and uh, and how nice he is to the to the checkout lady. And uh, and anyway, it just it just changed my kind of fundamental attitude. Something as simple as breath holiness into the present. So,
1: Yeah, well, I know. I agree with you, Dad. That was so powerful. And then also my dad and I were talking before this that you reminded us to be more like kids when it comes to emotions. Like that example that that I know is going to stick with me that you said about the kid on the playground throwing a tantrum and he's (laughs) crying and screaming. And then five minutes later, he's back out there having a good time. And we as adults have learned to just keep in our emotions and not express them. I want to know what are some ways we as adults can release those emotions.
0: Yeah, I love I love that. Without screaming in the <laughs> middle of a grocery store. Right,
2: I mean because right.
0: I do that every now and then and it's <laughs> embarrassing when security escorts me out. So so what yeah. are some other things besides that we can do?
2: Yeah, you know it's 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 really interesting because as you said, Aaron, we are the ones who get in trouble with the emotions. Like yeah. the kids have their emotions fully. They have that tantrum, that total meltdown and two minutes, like nothing happened. That's because they're having their emotions fully. Mm-hmm. So they have that emotion fully, and then they're on to the next. We get into trouble with the emotions because we stuff them. We suppress them. And what used to be spiritual teaching, that everything is energy, and now we know from physics, from quantum physics, that it's true. Everything is energy, including the body, including the emotions. We know from physics, energy cannot be destroyed. So just because we stuff our emotions for all the reasons that we do, well, we've we've been conditioned to think that the emotions are weakness. Uh, We hate confrontation. We, 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 you know, we, we avoid conflict and, and and by the way, like the emotions are not strength, they're not weakness, they're, weakness, they're not good, they're not bad, they're just energy. Mm-hmm. Just energy is coursing through our bodies. We get into trouble with them when we stuff them, when we don't allow them to course through through our bodies, because then they get stuck in, in the energy channels of the body, which, by the way, we do have scientific evidence for now that there are such things as the meridians, you know, that in the Eastern traditions like acupuncture and yoga, they've known about forever. Yeah. But so now the West mm-hmm. has discovered that we do, that they do exist. We're catching up finally. Finally.
0: And, and, and like you said, these, these cause cancer and they cause stress on the body that yes. you know, it's just toxic.
2: That's it. Cause those energies have to come out one way or another. So what happens is we, we stuff them and we stuff them and we stuff them. And then the next unfortunate one comes and rubs us the wrong way and we explode and we you know that vo- volcanic eruption that causes harm to our relationships sometimes irreparably or we suppress it suppress suppress that energy has to come out so it's going to start seeping up and showing up as 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 physical symptoms like you say cancer heart attacks ulcers so to to we've got to get this we've got to learn how to feel our emotions and how to express them courageously, because it's always gonna take courage, compassionately, uh, responsibly, like owning responsib- responsibility for our emotions, um, and gracefully, meaning in a way that they can be heard. So every time we point the finger and we say, you did this or you did that, or you always did this, you never do that, forget it, end a conversation. So, so that's part of the mastery because it's the opposite of weakness, right? To, to learn how to do all this and communicate responsibly mastery level stuff in a way that the other person can hear it and not shut down and defend or attack back so
0: what can we do instead of throwing that tantrum is that where we want to immediately jump into breathing exercises
2: yeah yeah first that's the first step right take a breath because what happens is when we get upset when we get angry when we when fear comes up we shut down the breathing or we start breathing really shallow breaths and that's what what gets those emotional energy stuck Mm -hmm. Um, in our bodies. And if we think about the word emotion, right? Emotion, energy in motion, that's further evidence that that they are just energies. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is start educating ourselves, right? Developing our EQ or emotional intelligence. When I first started doing this work, um, even though my dad was a psychiatrist, even though I was going to school in psychology, I was clueless about my own emotions, like, I couldn't tell you what I was feeling because I had no idea what I was feeling. Um, and my dad, by the way, was the same way. He was a great psychiatrist, I know, because people have given me that feedback that used to work with him. But in terms of his own emotions, clueless. So what I, what I did, you know, this is before cell phones. So I'd have one of those Radio Shack timers in, in my pocket or in my desk or and I'd set it for the hour. And I had it. A list of emotions that I'd kind of created a grid out, out of, you know. And so on the hour, the timer would go off and I'd, am I feeling this? Uh uh-uh. uh. Am I feeling this? Uh uh-uh. uh. Am I feeling that? Oh, uh, maybe. Right. And that's how little by little I, I started educating myself about wow. my own emotions.
1: Yeah. What a great way to assess your emotions. And you're right. So many adults don't know how to put a name to what they're feeling. And that could be really hard in releasing that and helping you boost your mood and feel better.
0: Exactly. And the timer thing, Christian, reminded me, You just reminded me of a story that I heard Warren Buffett say one time about a piece of advice he got from a mentor that served him well. And I heard this about 25 years ago, and it has served me so well in my business life and in my personal life. And that is, you can always tell someone to go to hell tomorrow. And which... Which I found, you know, so profound in that how many times have we all been in a situation where, you know, a business partner or a business client uh, or, or a friend just does something to agitate you and irritate you and you so want to just scream at them, but let's, let's let's wait until tomorrow and I'll confront them. And then by the next day, you know, when that timer goes off 24 hours later and you think about it, well... He or she did have a point and, and everything is diffused. And more than likely, you no longer wish to tell them to go to hell. Exactly. Just
2: take a pause, right? Because yep. rather than just re- reacting immediately to that nasty text or, or nasty email where we, f- we take it personally, we feel attacked. So then we're reacting immediately. Oh, no, no, let me, let me tell you how I see it. Let me tell you, because I'm right. Um, and that never works out. Yep. <laughs> we know that never works out. Never. So what you're talking about, taking that pause. So you know what? Let that anger energy relax. Let, let, let me go for a walk. I'm going to go sit by the water. I'm going to sit by a tree. I'm going to walk around the block. Let me calm myself down and really drop into myself and and, and ask, what, how do I really want to show up? How do I really want to handle this? Mm-hmm. Rather than coming from that reactive place. Yep. Because taking it personally is optional. Right, that that's, that opens up that whole conversation about what the ego mind is because that's the part of us that is so reactive and that takes everything personally. It's so defensive and, and takes any comment as a personal attack, as an affront to our very
0: identity. And that's completely optional. It's like, who said? Yeah. Exactly. Well said. One thing I wanted to point out also, in the TED Talk, I learned something called a... Is it, am I pronouncing this right, Christian? Amygdala hijack. Oh, yeah. So, so our listeners, you'll have to go. I'm going to throw that teaser out there. If you want to learn about the amy- amygdala hijack, it's A M Y G D A L A hijack. It's, I found that very interesting. Go to TED, go to uh, YouTube, watch the TED talk with Christian de la Huerta, and you'll love it. So, that,
2: that really is a game changer. That alone, understanding the brain biochemistry, why we react, it's, mm-hmm. it's, eye opening and it's both the good news and the bad news right the good news is that when we react and we then regret something we said or, or did doesn't mean we're bad people just means sure. that, that our brain biochemistry got us yep um, and that's the way we're hardwired so the bad news is we're gonna do it again mm-hmm. because that's the way that our brains are hardwired to be so defensive and so reactive and, and at that, that fight flight or freeze mode um, and but some of the ways that we've already been talking about you know buying time taking a breath are ways that we hi- that we can hijack the amygdala hijack mm-hmm. and and bring choice back into the equation which is what we want to do like we we can still access all of our emotions we can access anger energy if we want to but at choice mm-hmm. rather than reacting to some unresolved uh situation that happened when we were 5 or 10 or 15 and that we're still Subconsciously
0: reacting to it. it's like what a way to live. Yeah, great, great stuff. All right, but can you tell I'm chomping at the bit to uh talk about the book? <laughs> so uh let's get to it. For our listeners out there, it's called Awakening the Soul of Power, of course, by Christian de la Huerta. And it's available all over. I got mine on Amazon. I think. Can they get it on your website too? Or where's the easiest way to go find the book? I mean, Amazon, your local bookstore, okay. wherever, wherever books are sold. Gotcha. So diving in, I've made it to, in full disclosure, I'm at chapter 27 now, and just really has made a profound impact on me, and I'll tell you why in a few moments when we get to that kind of part of the book. But I wanted to start with, you have a chapter about cultivating our own garden, and You tell the story of a small child. Here we are with a small child. People are thinking, I think Steve has some childhood issues, (laughs) but maybe (laughs) I do. But you tell the story of a small child who overheard her parents arguing about who was going to take her to soccer practice. And then a short time later, the parents ended up separating, and this poor little child thought it was her fault. And she carried this with her well into her adult life, and it seriously... Played an impact on her relationships, and so can you talk about why cultivating your own garden is so important and necessary?
2: Yeah, and, and that's a great example of it of of how subconscious stuff that we don't even remember is still impacting our behavior and our relationships. Like that one incident, this is somebody that I actually work with. I can't remember if it was privately or one-on-one or in a retreat. I think it
0: was a retreat for your book. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Um, But, you know, just that misunderstanding, that's all it was. Just a simple misunderstanding of a young mind that didn't know any better, right? Who took the situation and she personalized it. She made it about her. And and the problem with that is that it's not only like, oh, wow, it's the conclusions that we make, right? So daddy left. What does that mean? What does that mean about me? That daddy doesn't love me. And what does that mean about me? What's wrong with me? That daddy doesn't love me. And so had the, the sad part is it had nothing to do with us. Sure. Right. It's like, who knows what was going on in daddy's mind? Who knows what was going on in the relationship? Who knows what kind of, what kind of beliefs, what kind of training they had of the, the way that they were conditioned about relationships and, Their parents before them, you know, the whatever values they had passed that that we haven't, none of us have been really taught how to have relationships Mm -hmm. that can work. So, but the little that young mind doesn't look at all that; it doesn't evaluate that; it just takes it personally. And she had been living like we all have. We all have childhood issues, uh, stuff that happened to us that is still impacting us. Uh, And by the way, that's why breath work is so powerful and so effective at healing that stuff and clearing it permanently. Mm So, cultivating our gardens means doing our work, right? Mm -hmm. Doing like looking at ourselves and having the courage to ask, to face our demons, right? To to and to ask the hard questions: Why do we do the things we do? And and why do we get stuck in these ruts of behavior and the self sabotaging sabotaging part uh, uh, patterns? And and why do we get in these relationship um, patterns that sometimes? feels like we're in the same boring play like i've seen this movie i've seen this play it's just with a different actor so you know some of the stuff is not fun to look at and some of the memories that we have to dive into are not going to be pleasant but it is so worthwhile and and so important that we're willing to do that because in that willingness to look at ourselves is where we can heal it Mm -hmm. and 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 so that we can you know like reboot and start our lives from from zero not living out of something that happened when we were five
0: and you had mentioned that it was impacting her relationships to the point where they just weren't healthy and once she addressed it through these breathing exercises once she addressed it and looked at it from her parents point of view and the wall started coming down and she realized like you said i you know what was going on in dad's life, what was going on in mom's life. It's, it had nothing to do with me. And that was something that that she had to discover on her own. But if she wasn't in that mode of reflection and breathing and looking back on it and consciously wanting to remove that monkey off of her back that was having a negative impact right. on her life, all those things coming together, it just you know, melted away to allow her to go and, and 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 move on in a positive way and have a healthy relationship immediately thereafter. So
2: exactly, because as long as we have any of those beliefs, you know, which which none of them are true, mm-hmm. and, and you know, they're all in kind of the same constellation of of beliefs. You know, there's something wrong with me. Uh, I'm too much of this. I'm not enough of that. Uh, you know, there, it's, there, I'm damaged goods. Uh, I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. You know, none of it is true. None of it is true. There's just misunderstandings from, from young minds that, like I said before, didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. And, and the sad part about it is that we have been living from those subconscious patterns. We're not even aware that stuff was going on. And as long as we have that stuff going on under the surface, that's the only thing we can attract.
0: Seriously. There's a kind
2: of relationship that's going to reflect that, that it's going to meet us at that level of I'm not good enough.
0: Yeah, which you segue me directly with those comments, Christian, into the next thing I wanted to talk about, another chapter in your book called Power Plays the Denier. And if I could, I'd like to read a quick little excerpt, excerpt from that chapter that that slayed me. Of course. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your plain small does not serve the world. That to me killed me, but moving on. <laughs> there is nothing enlightening about shrinking so that others won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. That's the end of the quote, and the power practice for that chapter, and that's another thing I love about the book. At the end of every chapter, you have these little power practices where Christian says, this is what I recommend. Write down this, that, and the other, and uh, it's, don't look at it as homework because it's great exercise. It's all really simple stuff, but in that chapter, the power practice for that is uh, to ask yourself, what is your payoff For not stepping into your power. Question, huh?
2: Because there's got to be a payoff, right? There has to be a payoff for us to do everything we do; otherwise, we wouldn't do it. Um, So that quote, by the way, just to to be clear, is from Marianne Williamson's uh, "Return to Love," Um, and you know, and and, I mean, and she, she just said it beautifully, but it's it's. Basically, that we've gotten confused and we think we've been conditioned to believe that if we really stepped into our power, like if, really, if we really like fulfilled our potential, if, if we like shined our, our light as powerfully as we can, that, we, that that's arrogant. Where like, who do we think we are? Uh, yep. But the reality is that the, it's the other way around. It's like, who do we think we are not to? do that, if we have been given certain qualities, certain gifts, and and we're living in this most critical time, like you could say we're living in like make it or break it time in terms of the evolution of humanity, the the planet will be fine. It might take a few million years. Life will continue in some Mm -hmm. form. Even consciousness will continue in some form. Maybe it turns out to be an enlightened cockroach planet. We don't know yeah. whether whether we make it,
0: hmm,
2: right? That's yeah. that's what we're facing now. Right now, I'm eating.
0: leaning towards the cockroaches, but go ahead. <laughs> at this point, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: At this point, you know, the looking at, at at the the tribalism behaviors and and the fact that at this stage of the game we're still killing each other um, in the name of God uh, to make yeah. it even more ironic. Sure uh, and the fact that we're destroying that we're we're utilizing our natural resources without even regard to our own survival on this planet, on this tiny, tiny, tiny pebble hurtling through space at thousands of miles per hour. Um, And here we are, like not even taking care of it, of this mini spaceship that that we find ourselves on. Um, And so when I look at it from that perspective, right, we're just beginning to witness what we have, whatever we have unleashed on our environment. From that perspective is how dare we play small? How dare we not step into all of our potential now? And, and for anybody listening who has the slightest suspicion that we have work, that they have work to do as teachers, as healers, as activists for change, it's like, this is it. This is the time that we've been waiting for. And we just don't have the time to get a, wait another five years to get another degree or another sort of certification. It's like... Get it if you want to, but don't use that as an excuse to put off your stepping into your roles.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that for those listeners out there that not only getting involved in 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 our planet and taking an interest in and taking ownership of our responsibility to protect it, but, but also your own life and your career. And what I love about that chapter is how many people out there are sitting there in a job they don't like, but... They're saying to themselves, "Well, I'm not a business owner. I can't start my own business. Or who am I to write a book? I, you know, I don't know how to write a book. Or I, who am I to learn how to, you know, to, to to learn how to speak French?" So I agree. We need to allow ourselves to. And I like the way you just flipped the question: "Who am I not to? Why can't I start yes. a business? Why can't I mm-hmm. be a speaker or write a book or or what have you?" So. Love All it. questions I've asked myself,
2: by the way.
0: Yeah, exactly. Obviously, yeah. but obviously, you've asked that because you've you've taken the steps of writing books and you've taken the steps of doing a TED talk, and and so the rest of us uh, that can be serve as an inspiration for us because when we hear your story and and when I read your book, and I'm thinking, okay, I had no idea here my perspective of you or perception of you, you know, a month ago was this guy that speaks in front of uh, you know a couple thousand people and has a couple hundred thousand views on YouTube and then I find out you're an introvert and you were a pretty shy kid and, and I learned all this past about you. So so yeah that's a, a, a shout out to all of us to be who we want to become. So go out and do what we want in life. Go after exactly.
1: it.
2: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the other part of that is like because so many of us question our 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 worth and, and our right to, to exist even. And My adolescence was one long depression with suicidal fantasies. Um, so I know self-doubt. I know self-hatred even. Um, and like when I say that all that stuff can be healed, like I know it from personal experience. Mm-hmm. I, I know that stuff can get healed because these days, no matter what happens in my life, no matter the details, the circumstances, a relationship works out or it doesn't. A project succeeds or it fails, in quotes. Uh, I never, ever question my sense of my, my sense of value, my inherent self-worth, my sense of self-love. That is never
0: um, impacted anymore. That's awesome. That's uh, a great place to be. And I don't think there's many of us that can say that. And so I'm trying, Christian. I'm working on it for <laughs> sure. Hey, and, and that's all we can do. Yeah. That's all we can—that's all that's asked of us. That we give it our best. Yep. Well, moving through the book, let's jump to chapter twenty, shall we? That is Power Plays, The Avenger, and this is when things started really hitting home for me. This chapter is mostly about revenge and forgiveness, and I have been, shall we say, for. The better part of uh, the last few years trying really, really hard to forgive, and throughout my entire life i 've been a really forgiving person i 've had people that you know i've had disagreements with and and you know boom, as long as we both apologize and it 's sincere, and they uh, boom let 's go have a beer we're, we're, it's all good, I move past it, and i 've never had an issue with forgiveness until i've had a challenge like i said the last few years that i won't go into it's not important but this is different in that this person there is no remorse the shall we say the the betrayal and the is is still ongoing and it's been the roughest thing i've ever gone through in my entire life and and one of the things i i love about this journey that aaron and i have been on on this podcast is uh is it's it's brought so much just speaking with so many incredible people like yourself. It's it's just been a a blessing. And and we had, I don't know, a month and a half ago, we had a gentleman named Asim Kamisa on who talk about the power of forgiveness. He had a one son, twenty years old, was murdered by a gang member, his only son, and this was about twenty some odd years ago. And he's written a book and done a TED talk also that has over a million views about the power of forgiveness and and we had that interview and i finished that interview and i was like come on steve you know he's able to forgive the guy that killed his son you know it's time for me to to be able to forgive and that was kind of the first time that i started to open myself up on this journey of of forgiveness, and over this last week of reading your book, and I would have been done by now, but i 've read like chapters twenty through twenty three or four a couple times because I needed to let it marinate and digest and then go back and and read it again and I just want you to know, Christian, that this book and what you 're writing about as i 'm reading it in fact as i 'm reading twenty and twenty one and twenty two it was a few nights ago it 's midnight. I'm alone, it's quiet, and I'm reading this, and I can just feel the way you lay this out, the barriers coming down. I can feel Mm. the weight being lifted off of me, and I just want to thank you for you are closing this journey for me, and I'm at the Mm. stage, and we'll talk about it, the last stage, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but first in chapter 20... I love a quote, and this time you quoted the philosopher Francis Bacon, who was from I believe the 15th or 16th century, uh, and it says, quote, in taking revenge, a man is but even with his enemy, but in passing it over, he is superior, which I thought was a really interesting way of, of looking at it, just you're the better person by forgiving and and I've known for you know I told my kids when they were kids so I know in my mind that forgiveness is a gift that you give yourself you know you don't forgive the other person but in this case in my life it's been so difficult for me uh, for for all those reasons the fact that there has been no remorse on the part of the other person even though he or she knows exactly what what they've done and you summed up the chapter by saying heroes choose to get free, not even. And mm. that's where I'm at. And um, I don't know if you had any other comments to talk about that part yeah, of the book. But... Yeah,
2: yeah, there's so much to say about that. Stephen, first of all, thank you. That really touched me. Your your share really, really moved moved me. Because that's one of the two most difficult things that I think we all struggle with in on that on this journey of empowerment and, and freeing ourselves. Um and often I'll have people who come to one of my retreats thinking that they have forgiven, but one thing's forgiving up in the head, another one is like actually forgiven in the heart. And, and sometimes, that like what you're saying, like we've heard this, you know, that, that forgiveness is for us, um, not for the other person. And here, here's a good way to think about that. As long as we're holding somebody over the fire for what they did or didn't do, our hands also getting burnt. Our hands also in the wow. fire with them, so so that it's really for us, and and it's not our job, right, to 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 worry about whether they have remorse or not. That's not our job. That's yeah. on them. That's their stuff. Um, our 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 journey is about our own freedom and our own yep. sense of empowerment, and. You know, I'm not dogmatic about many things. I think three that I can think of, and forgiveness is one of them. I don't see a way around it and, and maybe I'm not dogmatic because I'm open to seeing a different sure. way, but I still don't see a way of if we want to be free, how we can do that without forgiving um and here's Here's a way that makes it doable because sometimes we gotta forgive what what feels unforgivable, and some of the stuff that we humans do to each other is like, oh my god, like like. Stuff I've heard over 30 years of people's traumas is like it just boggles the mind. And how do we forgive that? And sometimes how do we forgive ourselves? Because sometimes it's even more difficult uh, for the stuff that we have done or not or failed to do. Uh, mm. So here's, here's a way that makes it at least doable. It opens the door to the possibility of forgiveness. And, and this I got from a teacher that I studied with. Uh, forgive, two-syllable word, flip them around. Give for. Yeah. Right? Okay. So, when we do, when we forgive, we're giving the other person and ourselves, if that's the case, the room to be human, mm-hmm. to make mistakes, to fall short of the mark, to make a royal freaking mess of things. Sure. Uh, the ego mind, uh, you know, I say that went to law school. It, it, it's incredibly self righteous, it knows exactly what you did that was wrong. And it appoints itself judge, jury, prosecutor, prosecutor, all woven into one and knows what the punishment should be and delivers it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we want to do when we, when we give for is we're giving space to be less than perfect, to make mistakes, to put ourselves in their shoes. And, and, and that we don't even need to do, go that far. All we need to do is a question mark. So rather than approaching a situation from that self-righteousness, I would never, ever, ever do something like that. And, and that's probably true, that we probably wouldn't ever do something like that. Uh, but if we just put in the question marks like, well, maybe, maybe if I had been raised in their family at that time in their culture with whatever was going on in their minds and their brain biochemistry, and who knows what was going on in, in their lives at that point, and who knows about the way their parents were raised and their parents before that, it's sure. like, maybe, yep. maybe, maybe. I might have done the same thing, and it's not rationalizing. It's not making it all right. It's 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 not all right. Um, but if we want to be free, we've got to find a way to forgive, and and this at least gets us gets us off that self righteous stance. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's like like to give an extreme example, that to how it can be doable. Like none of us listening to this are, are you know like like a terrorist like that is so hard to externalize and to otherwise to make it another because none of us listening to this are, are, are gonna wrap our bodies up in explosives and go into a crowded mall and detonate ourselves. I really doubt anybody listening to this kind of a podcast would do that. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's really easy to make the other of that. I would never do something like that. But wait a minute, have we ever terrorized others emotionally? Have we ever terrorized ourselves? emotionally. The number that we do in ourselves with that harsh inner critic inside our heads, we would never say or do to anybody else. So that we do have an inner terrorist sure. inside of us too. And, and yeah, it's not, it's not apples and oranges, but it begins to soften sure that, that harsh judgmental edge of, of, I would never do that.
0: Mm-hmm. In fact, that word right there, Christian, I think perfectly describes what I felt while reading through these chapters is that it softened everything as I did start to look at things from those different perspectives and it 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 really does it becomes very very powerful and then a couple chapters later and this is where it really closed the loop for me is in chapter 23 is about victimhood and forgiveness and that I think is is maybe the i don't know I, I guess the elephant in the room that I was not acknowledging hmm. and I've never ever thought of myself as a as a is a victim i'm always I've always been someone that gets up and makes things happen in spite of obstacles and challenges, and I'm a really positive person and and so forth, but I had to really take a hard look at myself and was i was i playing a, a bit of a victim, oh, what was me. He did this to me and took this away from me, which has affected my livelihood or, or what have you. And when I really looked deep, I, I didn't like the answer, but the answer was yes. And, and so, but once I was able to, to address that, is there some of that, then to your point in the book, the heroic path is letting go of that victimhood. And the, you used quote, the poor ego, unquote, begins to be freed. And, yeah. and that's so true. And that's what I'm just, as I read that, it's like, whoa. And, and I had to really let that marinate for, for a few days. And then the exercise that you put at the end of that chapter is to write a letter. And this is what I have started to that person and talk to them and tell them and and your feelings and that you are forgiving them. And, and that's what I'm in the process of. And that's what this weekend is. I I look forward to burning that letter and closing this entire loop. And I know it will be amazing. I already feel amazing just talking about knowing that that's what I will be doing. So.
2: Well, Steve, I mean, again, that is so profoundly moving to me because in real time, you're like you are tackling the two most difficult things on mm-hmm. this whole journey of empowerment, forgiveness and and this feeling of be, being done to, be, being victimized. It's a state of consciousness that that we all uh, you know come come or most of us are stuck in, and very few of us ever pop out of it. And you're popping out of it, like in front of, of our, you know, like real mm-hmm. life in this moment. Yeah. Uh, and that is like nothing short of heroic. Just the willingness to 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 look at that, and to even ask those questions is like, my brother, I bow to you because that is the hardest thing to do. And for you know, for the audience uh, who's listening to this, it's it's easy. Like anybody can feel victimized by life. Um, and you know, if but if if we want, if we're on a journey of empowerment, as long as we're holding somebody or something outside of us responsible for our state of being for our happiness for our success for our situations whatever that is we just gave our power away and oftentimes to the perpetrator which is the saddest part of it all which is the, the, the ironic part of it all so that's the other thing that i just don't see a way around you know, it's and it, and again, it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't mean we have to be doesn't. best friends and go to brunch with them on Sundays, at all, right? But if if we want to be free, we've got to pop ourselves out of this victim mode. Uh, and 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 here's a way that again it begins to make it possible. Like one thing we know for sure that we can count on, is that life is going to continue to throw curveballs our way. Like stuff is going to happen that we just are not going to see coming. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's not a thing we can do about. So it's easy then to feel, be, you know, victimized, have this victim relationship to life. Like, and, but if, if we just like reframe that and just put it in this way, like no matter what happened in my past, and some of it sucked, so we're not minimizing any of that. Some of, some of the stuff some of us have dealt with should have never, ever happened to any human being so it's not making any of it okay but when we can step into this place of no matter what happened and no matter what happens going forward i always get to choose how i show up in response that alone is changes everything and it pops us out of victim mode and and it begins that journey of like i mean just doing that
0: and saying that is empowering hey amen beautifully said and you know what kind of also hit me between the eyes is I as you pose the question is this serving you well how how, how's it serving you being pissed off and being a victim and and how you know (laughs) how's it working out for you basically and and the answer is uh it's 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 not it's not and uh so yeah, it uh it was just such a therapeutic and cleansing process, but but I applaud you for how you present it in such a non threatening, such a eloquent way and how you break it down over the course of a few chapters. It just really resonated with me and made a huge difference. So thank you so much. And mm-hmm. for any of you listeners out there that are going through something similar, yeah check out this book. I think it can make a, and that's only a small part of it. Let's, let's move on before I get emotional here. Let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, you, you write in the book that this, or you write that this book is for everyone, but it has a particular message for women. And it so does. You talk about that all throughout the book. Uh, But clearly, I'm a walking example of that. It certainly helps men as well. But why is it that you feel that this has a particular message for women?
2: Yeah, uh, and that's a beautiful question, too. We we all struggle with power. We all have this ambivalent, conflicted relationship to power. We want it, but we're afraid of it. Um, And and no wonder, you know, we've been... um, conditioned to believe that, that it's bad, that it corrupts, like power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Um, and what they didn't tell us about that is that Lord Acton, who said those words, was speaking specifically about political power, not interpersonal, like, you know, he, like our personal power. Um, and then if all we got to do, like in the world that we live, turn on the news on any given day to witness at least one abuse of power. And so, what good-hearted person was to be an abuser of power? What good-hearted person was to be corrupted? So, add to the fact to that to that mix what we were talking about before: our fear, of the emotions that we have labeled them weakness. Put that in all together, and what happens is that we end up giving our power away, our inherent God-given power, if you would, um, if you you know the, if you, if that word works for you. Uh, that nobody can give to us, nobody can take away. We are the only ones who can give away. And, and the sad part is that we give it away for sad and lame reasons. Like we settle, we place small, we, we settle for less, for an illusion of security, for, for a false sense of acceptance and for morsels, for crumbs of pseudo love. And we all do that, right? And I think that women have a particular layer to deal with that. Because of of this patriarchal power over system that we have been living in for the for the last several thousand years, And, and so the message of the book is that there is a way that we can step into our power that that is doesn't have to be hierarchical hierarchical doesn't have to be about fear force domination manipulation that doesn't require that we push anybody step on them in order to for us to feel powerful, and and the reason that that. I focus on women is because I believe that when women are in 50% of power in this world, um, we're going to have a very different relationship to sure. war and poverty and hunger and wealth distribution and social justice and how we treat the environment. So it's not to put women up on a pedestal. Women are also capable of abusing power, as we all know. Yeah, but It's because the world has been running so off balance, so off kilter. When we, when, when we look at the, these masculine and feminine energies, whether it's out in the world or in ourselves, uh, because that's the reason we struggle with emotions, because we have labeled them, you know, weakness, especially guys. that You know, we were, since we were boys, we said little boys don't cry. Well, the implicit message is that only girls cry yeah. Yeah. because they're weaker. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, what a, what a <laughs> faulty BS assumption. You want to talk power, let's talk about the power of creation that resides in the female body. Like that's power. Um, mm. And uh, so so what we're going for is it's it's just finding balance again, both within ourselves and in
0: our world. And if we want to find that balance in the world, it's got to start within. And continuing on that theme in chapter twenty five, you go a little bit deeper into the discussion about masculinity can you talk a little bit about how masculinity has played a role in pretty much completely effing up our world? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's what it is, right?
2: We've this all stems from this twisted definition of what it means to be a man. And somewhere along the way, you know, somebody decided that men behaved a certain way and women behave this other way. And, and for men is like, you, you know, so we've, we've, boxed ourselves um, into these prisons you know we, we walk around like these uncaring unfeeling robots um, and like what we were talking about before that doesn't work those energies just don't go away there's a price to pay for that so when we look at numbers like the rate of suicide in the u.s like men commit suicide four times as frequently as, as women do, 70% of, of the suicides in the U.S. are committed by middle-aged white men, who interestingly are the ones who hold most of the power in the world still. Um, so what's what's going on with the system? You know, the system doesn't work, obviously, for women, and it's completely unacceptable and no longer sustainable. The oppression of women and, and the lack of, of equity and justice uh, between the genders, it's like, and... This system of power over uh, toxic masculinity doesn't work for men either. Uh, doesn't work for anybody. You know, look like let's look at the numbers of longevity. You know, women outlive men by five years in the U.S. Globally, by seven years. So we've got we've got to all of us rethink this and and upgrade our definitions of what it means to be a man in the 21st century and what it means to be a woman.
0: Seriously, well. Any practices that you can recommend or next steps that people can take on their journey of empowerment in their daily lives?
2: Yeah, I would say, you know, with what we've been talking about, use the breath, right? Use the breath as a, as a healing tool and as a tool to make ourselves present so that we're not going drifting through life just at, at the effect of other people and, and our unhealed and unresolved pasts um so the willingness to do this work of, of going within and, and asking ourselves why we do the things we do and where did where you know where these patterns come from because if we get honest at some point we have to get honest and 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 and, and realize and see that there is one common denominator in every one of our relationships and in every one of the situations that we complain about and that's us mm. and and so why is that why do we keep attracting certain kind of, People or certain kind of situations. Um, yeah. and, and that it's like, that's tough. You know, that's to to own that and, and to see our role in it, it's it's nothing short of heroic. So whatever you're guided to do, right, to understand the difference between power, the worldly power or ego power and spiritual power or soulful power, so that we begin, so that we can begin to find out a way that we can step into our power and express it in a way that is a match that is congruent with who we are. And like only we are responsible for that. Nobody can do that for us. Nobody can can free ourselves but us.
0: Love it. And then one last question that uh, we like to ask at the end of every episode, and it may be the same answer that you just gave. Uh, the answer that you just gave would be a perfect answer for this. But Aaron, why don't you go ahead and ask uh, the last question?
1: Sure. Christian, we want to know what advice can you give us and our listeners regarding how we can make the world a better place?
2: I think I, w- I, think I would go back to that, <laughs> that same yeah. answer, to be, to be all of who we are, yes. right? There isn't anybody out there. There isn't anyone in this universe or any other universe that has the same genetics, the same set of experiences that make us who we are. If we don't give full expression to that, right? If we don't step into our lives full assed and no longer doing it half-assed, ain't nobody else gonna do it. Yes. Uh, and and in so doing, that's where we will find not only our personal fulfillment and our sense of meaning and purpose and and our sense of personal empowerment. But as we do that, it's like all of our relationships are going to work so much better. Our relationships will actually have a chance of working. And, and that's why this heroic journey that we're talking about is so worthwhile. Yes, it's work. Yes, it's difficult. Um, and it is so worthwhile because our lives become empowered and we have a sense of choice, a sense of freedom. And, and, and that opens up the way
0: for, for joy and for bliss and, and meaning Wow, mic drop. I know I'm going to work on living more full-assed on my own personal heroic journey. The book, once again, is Awakening the Soul of Power, How to Live Heroically and Set Yourself Free. It's available wherever books are sold. For more information about Christian's work, you can also go to soulfulpower.com. Christian, thank you so much for being with us and sharing your powerful insights that have made a difference in my life and many others around the world. Thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Special thanks to our guest, Christian de la Huerta. To learn more about him and the work he is doing, you can visit soulfulpower.com. Thanks to our producer, Noah Existe, and editor, Joe Tampoco. Our music was written and performed by Nadia Imporantate. Thank you so much for listening. If this podcast brightened your day in any way, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you have a suggestion for a guest or have any suggestions on how we can improve our show, please send us an email to betterplaceprojectpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at betterplaceproj for updates on our show. Look for small ways to be kind to others this week, and that will help make the world a better place.
0: Make the world.